I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Today I have none other than the amazing Lisa Crosby, technology evangelist for Biohead Solutions in Australia. She is an MVP, which by the way means welcome to the MVP show. Great chat here. She is amazing. Uh, forgive me for uh, some of the saying she comes out with. She swears a bit. Um, I apologize for that. Um, towards the end as she educates us on Australian lingo. Full show notes for this episode, of course, can be found at nz365guy.com forward slash 243. Now let's get on with the show. Lisa, welcome to the MVP show. Thank you very much for having me. Good to have you on the show. And of course, you've now got your own podcast, isn't that right? I have. I've uh, actually just started a, a brand new podcast, nothing quite as established as this one, called The Up Podcast with um, Megan Walker, who most people will know as the Forms Pro Queen. She and I uh, she and I sort of made a really great connection just online through the community. She's in the UK, I'm in Australia, and now we have this wonderful chat once a week about all things, you know, biz apps and beyond and, yeah, really focusing on the upside and trying to trying to lift our collective moods and it's, it's been great fun. I love it. When do you find the best uh, time slot, being that you're, what, around 24 hours or 12 hours ahead of, of uh, the, the the British time we zone? We have got one sweet spot in the week that works for us, which turns out to be about sort of 4.30 or 5 p.m. for me and about 7.30 or 8 a.m. A- for Megan. Yeah. yeah, so and once we get to daylight savings, we'll sort ourselves out again. But uh, we, we, we aligned calendars and went, there's the sweet spot there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we're making it work across the world, recording a podcast together. I like it. I like it. I like it. Good value, good value. And I'm so pleased that you have bought another podcast to market because in these times that we're in where everyone's kind of remote, I think podcasting is a great way to not spread any viruses. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and, 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 but you can, there's still so much going on to discuss and talk about and educate the wider community with. So I think great idea. Yeah. And I think we, I think we just felt that we wanted to, it sort of came out of just that we wanted to to do something different. And, you know, especially at the moment where there are so many things that we can't do to really focus on a positive thing that you can do. And I, I remember saying to her, even early on when we were talking about it, I said, I want to look back one day and say, this is the awesome thing that we started that we wouldn't have done if it hadn't been for this other terrible thing that happened. And six weeks in, I'm already feeling that. It's it's already a highlight of my week. We're starting to get a, a following. We're starting to get the kind of feedback about what we're doing that is exactly the reason we started doing it. So that's really reinforcing that sort of idea of 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 just just our style is is something a bit different and it's resonating with people in the right way so that's that's been a really positive thing well we're recording today on the 8th of July and of course it's going to be published a few weeks later this actual podcast but why i highlight today's date 
is that you live in Melbourne, Australia, which is just going through the shitstorm of um, almost round, round, round two of COVID again. I'm, I'm just going to do the short conversation on this because I think we're all sick of hearing ourselves, but uh, we've just gone round two. We've just gone into six weeks of lockdown starting midnight tonight, actually. So there's a real feeling of collective despondency in Melbourne today. I think, you know, we were in a very, very good place and we've, we've gone back again. I just, I, I feel extremely lucky that I have a job and a community that keeps me going. I, you know, I can lift myself out of that and just, keep going because there's so much opportunity but today is uh it's not a, it's not a great day for melbourne i'm gonna say yeah, yeah crazy tell me about your mvp journey yeah so my mvp journey is um you know i've listened to you a lot i've i've uh, listened to a lot of advice you know last year in in your your whole series and things and my mvp journey is probably a very different one so i um i've actually only formally worked in business applications for uh, it's pretty much exactly four years now, which is a lot less than, you know, many other MVPs. I I did a big career change. So I worked in book publishing for a very long time. Never actually, never actually handled a manuscript. I worked in sales and marketing jobs, but I, I you know, came from a completely different industry, established a really, you know, long-term career there. Um, always had my finger in the pie of the sales and marketing systems though, because I always had an interest in tech and even though I worked in, like I love books, I worked in books for, for a very long time, but in that industry, as soon as anyone um, as soon as soon anyone was like, oh, we need a CRM system or a marketing system, I'd be like, oh, me, me, can I can I be on that committee? <laughs> can I join that thing? So I sort of always had a finger in the pie there, which led to we actually adopted Dynamics within that business in about 20, oh, I'm losing track of the years now, 2013 or 2014 or something. So then I took a major leap. Um which, you know, actually now is quite interesting because I think a lot of people are going to be uh, in a position where they have to make a career change. I was lucky enough to choose it. It was not an easy choice, but I, it was a choice. And so I jumped ship on my senior management job in a long-term career and went to work for a, an SMB partner in Dynamics, two guys in the suburbs of Melbourne, <laughs> which four years ago in a one-year contract. So uh, on paper, that was insane. And the people who knew me well really supported it. So worked with them for a little while, um, you know, took a massive, you know, sort of career career shift in doing that. And then a year after that, when that contract ended, I, I landed a job with um, Barhead Solutions, which is where, where I'm still working now, sort of three years on. Um, so yeah, my MVP journey is really, you know, I've come from, I guess I've come from the customer side, which was a phrase I did not know when I made that transition and which I wish I had known, because that's the magic phrase, right? That, that comes with, that comes with a great deal of value to say, I came from the customer side. But when you come from the customer side, you don't know that that's the thing <laughs> that you should say. Um, so yeah, then I just started doing what I do, I guess. I was very lucky to, to land, um, you know, in a job and in an organization that was growing fast and was very flexible with me. And I was able to very quickly kind of got into pre-sales and doing a lot of demos. And then I grabbed app in a day and ran with that, which is a power apps training thing. And I'm a natural extrovert. Like I'm just like, give me a stage and an audience and a microphone. And, and I love teaching people. I have a real passion for um, talking, you know, technical brain, but I can speak the language of the business users and, and help people understand something that might be complex, but doesn't need to be and really breaking it down. I guess I've always had that 
sort of particular interest. So I just started doing what I was doing and ended up, um, Chris Huntingford was the first person I met. And I know you know Chris, everyone knows Chris, the first person I met in the community. Just kind of got in a conversation with him and and the, the world of networking within the community, just one thing leads to another, leads to more ideas, leads to more activities, leads to starting to do that. And the next thing I know, I've got people going, oh, you could be an MVP. <laughs> and I think where my journey is different, right, from perhaps yours is that I'm not, certainly I don't have a traditional career path in this area, such as there, there is one, but especially even like in the Australian New Zealand group, most of what I saw in the MVPs were people who were, you know, solution architects and, and really deeply technical expert, um, often introverted people. And I looked around and went, well, that's not what I do. <laughs> and then I think especially in the last couple of years, the sort of thing that I do is becoming another way to become an MVP. And I'm, I'm very, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of that sort of very front facing presentation, you know, sort of stuff is, is very much what I do. So look, I don't have, I'm lucky. I don't have one of those kind of agonizing. I tried for a year and I, you know, got knocked back. Basically it got suggested to me and I went, Oh really? And then suddenly it seemed to be suggested from everywhere. Just like in the space of three weeks, everyone started going, why aren't you an MVP? Why aren't you an MVP? And I'm like, I don't know, could I even be an MVP? <laughs> so it actually happened quite quickly for me. And honestly, it was just out of doing more of what I love doing and getting involved with more people and just, you know, just doing the thing that I love doing, which is the best possible way to to get into it. Nice. Yeah. Who who nominated you? Um, I actually got nominated twice at the same time. <laughs> so um, Andre Margono is um, he's a, an MVP here in Australia, uh, and also Fushin Wu, who is a Power Platform um, Global Black Belt, possibly the one person who has a better job title than me um, at Microsoft. So they both sort of approached me at the same time. So um, I'm going to give them both credit for that. <laughs> um, so yeah, and so yeah, I got one from one from an MVP and one from Microsoft, and Andre was great. He introduced me to our local uh, community program manager here in Australia, brought me along to a couple of events, which helped me make that network connection with the with the program here. Um, yeah, and it, it actually happened quite, you know, I think I think the timing for me of when I got nominated and 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 how smooth the process ran, certainly in Australia was quite was I, I didn't I don't have the I don't have the terrible kind of I waited months story that that many people have. It was actually quite, to me, it felt quite sudden. Other people kept saying to me, oh, finally, it's like, oh, to me, it seemed really, seemed really quick. Um, so yeah, so it's been a good, good experience. And I'm about eight months in now. So, and it feels like it's longer than that. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was longer. That's all right. That's all yeah, right. Yeah, so I feel like I'm part of the furniture, right? <laughs> I've always been here. <laughs> but no, it's only like November last year. So um, it's I'm still relatively new to that, but I feel much wiser eight months in than I did, you know, when I when I first joined. It's overwhelming. Um, and and now I feel like I'm I'm part of it and I know what I'm doing and, and it's awesome. In that overwhelmness of of everything, you know, the fire hose I say that you drink from, from 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 when you come in, kind of what's what have been the highlights so far for you, the aha moments, the wow moments that have really impacted you once you became an MVP? I mean the first the first wow moment, honestly, is the names you get in your inbox when you're not used to that is just quite staggering, right? <laughs> Seems like a small thing, but suddenly it's like, these people are famous and I can just email them. How's that even a thing? So the absolute highlight for me though has been the 
being part of that community. So it's always about the people and, you know, my motivation in, in, becoming an MVP. And I didn't set out on that journey, but the the way I got on that path was was through building a network of people who I thought were awesome and and joining, you know, I just say yes to everything that comes up that looks like fun and suddenly find myself doing all these things. But then being on the inside and, and getting to know the other MVPs and having those relationships with them. And it really is a very valuable community of people who genuinely want to share and genuinely want to lift other people and help other people and find opportunities and things. So for me, that 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 inner network of just the most awesome people, and especially now, you know, when we're all isolated and, you know, I used to be used to be traveling to and from Sydney all the time and with my colleagues and stuff, that I feel like I've got this other group of you know, almost colleagues within that program and friends is 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 amazing. Um, you know, I, I think the other highlight, uh, just if I pick out, you know, one other thing that that came to me part of this program is that I got invited to do some uh, power apps that actually turned out to be power virtual agents education for uh, some Indigenous um, women who are like small business owners just just recently again who've been affected by COVID and and we did you know that thing for me of like. The opportunity to do that came out of the MVP program and where I miss, you know, I can't be on a big stage at a big international event, but at the complete opposite end of the spectrum, here's an opportunity to educate and genuinely help 10 women, right? But that was equally like rewarding in a different and wonderful way as well because you get that thing as well of like, the aha moments where you've made, and for me, this is such a motivator, you know, made the connection with someone who did not even know what they didn't know about technology and now they can go away and use it is is a valuable thing that I just, that gets me out of bed in the morning. So the opportunity to participate in that and for me where I love the big, you know, big events and, and then finding a really awesome opportunity to participate in something that's valuable on a much smaller scale um, and then, you know, connections that have come out of that. So for me, you know, it's always one opportunity leads to another, leads to another, that serendipity of, of things has, has come about. So, you know, the MVP program opens up a bunch more of those things where you'll be asked to participate or invited to participate in those things or to give feedback on things. And that's just been really, really awesome. I think my, my, um, my, and I've heard, um, Chuck Sterling, who runs the program, talk about this before, but my technical skills have gone up as well since I've been in the program because suddenly you get access to more stuff and more opportunities and you, you, you actually get the chance to step up even further by virtue of being associated with all of that as well. So, you know, I look back on stuff I was doing six months ago and I can even see for myself how far I've progressed even from where I was. So that's that's rewarding too. There's always more to learn, you know, like you say, it's a fire hose. <laughs> so, so true, so true. So, so in your role, you know, you work for a Microsoft partner, you're a consultant. Actually, I'm not. I'm an evangelist. <laughs> so I'm not actually a consultant. I do a technical marketing job. So my job title is actually um, technology evangelist. It would be called advocate evangelist. So yeah, I don't actually do project work. I I work with the sales and marketing team. So I'm like the tech brain in the sales and marketing in the sales and marketing teams there. So I do help with some pre sales. I actually did do a pre sales job um, there before before we kind of came up with this job. But I do a lot of very um, 
you know, I'll go and do executive briefings for our customers. I will do webinars. I'll do training content, supporting, you know, mark, like the technical, kind of like technical content for sales and marketing basically is an easy way to put it. Yeah. So, so what does a day in the life and the month look like for you? As in, but like if you were summarizing, because I can, I can see that a bunch of people are listening to this and this is my, you know, my experience I've been in that pre-sales um, uh, architecture, infotainment um, kind of kind kind of role. That it's it wasn't it didn't take long to kind of like a lot of consultants were like, "Wow, that's my career path. I want to have that job." I you know it looks so fun and exciting. You know, you're on the road three uh, three days a week to a different location around Aussie in your case and. Uh, there's a lot of consultants go, here I am just sitting at the same customer for the last nine months and I want to do that job. How? What advice would you give to people? Yeah, so um, I was one of those people, like I was nominally hired as a consultant, but I, I said from the outset I thought I was more pre-sales and that turned out to be the case. So, you know, I, I guess what I do is more in that vein. Um, it is different every single day. In terms of advice, um, if you wanted to work in that kind of pre-sales space, you need to be able to handle working with salespeople. Now, I adore salespeople. I, I used to be I used to be a sales manager. For, I was a sales manager for a decade back in my book publishing days. But salespeople have particular particular character traits that make them successful at the job. And not you need to be able to handle that <laughs> and work with that. And essentially, you know, salespeople are motivated by the money, by nature of what they do. They are the best ones are the most persistent. They're like a dog with a bone. They don't like the, the quality that makes them, you know, and I don't mean this as a criticism because this is the necessary quality that makes an awesome salesperson is that they are they are persistent and they don't let it go and they will always find a way. And so if you are supporting that function, their need is more important than anybody else's need. And the guy next to them, his need is more important than anybody else's need. And the woman next to him, her need is more important than anybody else's need. So the nature of working in specifically in pre-sales is that the workload is heavy and uneven and your internal customers only care about their own thing and they're very demanding. So if you can handle that, it's a fantastic job. And, you know, I, like I, I, I say it kind of lightheartedly because I genuinely, um, I, don't, I do not fault those things in salespeople. They are the necessary qualities to be good at sales. But if you're going to work in that space, you need to know that that's, <laughs> that's the environment, which can sometimes mean, oh, yeah, we need a demo tomorrow while you've already got 16 other things on your plate. Uh, we've got a, a, the thing I hated the most about it was RFPs um, because, you know, documents and stuff. So what I do now, I have a fair bit more, uh, I'm very lucky, I have a, a quite a lot of scope to sort of design, like I, it's a very proactive job I do now. The evangelism job is is more of a marketing job than a sales job. So it's up to me to sort of go, right, here's where I can add value. Here's where we can, you know, put content out and where we can advocate for things or whatever. But it's, you sort of always on, always visible, always front and center. You know, I I need to know a lot of different things and I need to be up with the new things all the time, which is both 
hard and the most awesome thing in the world. Like I, it's everything I could wish for. But but I'm um, I need to be across many, many, many things, and that's not for everyone. <laughs> so that 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 idea of learning through a fire hose, I you know I do I do say I I switched careers because I felt like I wasn't learning, and then careful what you wish for because I end up I end up in an industry which is constantly changing and needs rapid learning, and then I pick the job that probably has the most the most you know need for doing that. But I do that to myself on purpose, and I I love it. But um, I guess advice is around you know can you handle working with salespeople, the nature of that, the the uneven workload too. Like, I mean, I know even with consulting, there are days where you're doing go live and it's uneven, but but those pre-sales and marketing jobs are very, you know, you sit down at the start of the week and go, right, my week looks good. Oh no, it's derailed. <laughs> There's a thing. And you have to be able to roll with that. Well, how do you balance um, that constant need to be learning with uh, really just not overloading yourself and, and busting a fuse. Yeah, I, I don't know if I've got the balance, to be honest. Um, I I have to just sort of force myself to stop sometimes. Like I, I do often feel like there's not enough hours in the week. So I can be, I, I do learning for my job. I do extra learning around my community activities. Sometimes I'll get up on a Saturday morning and I actually have to kind of really force myself to not keep going. Like I, I am so motivated by it and love it so much that's actually hard to stop um so uh, you know I, I i have a i have a family who helps keep me grounded and will sort of give me a nudge <laughs> give me a nudge sometimes but um and look it's again I, I think i'm probably very uneven with that there are some weeks where i will go way too hard i am able to recognize before i crash that now I need to stop for a bit and I can, I can rest when I need to. But, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that I would be the best example of balance, to be honest. (laughs) I, I think I, you know, I have a, I have a healthy overall approach to the thing. I can stop when I need to, but balance is uh, my balance is probably tipped a little bit too much in, in favor of it, but you know what? I love it. And, and I think I, having come out of a career where I, towards the end, was losing my motivation, to have been lucky enough to find a second thing that I love this much is an incredible privilege. And, um, you know, I, I do more work than I need to because, and more learning than I need to because I genuinely love it. And so, you know, I think that's okay. I don't, I, I'm not, not killing myself <laughs> with, with the, with the, the lack of balance. If we were to have this conversation in five years' time. What role will you be in? What will you be doing? I have no idea, no idea. Um, the only career plan I ever had was when I first start when I first wanted to get in book publishing. So I was a graduate, like way back, and I desperately wanted to be a publisher, like a person who commissioned books. That was my dream. That plan never happened because I ended up going into a sales job to get my foot in the door, getting hooked on sales, making a career out of that, turning it into a career in CRM, which became a career in technical evangelism. So I actually now, I'm really a big, I'm really a big believer in the the serendipity of opportunity, right? Everything I do seems to spark another thing, which I'm quite good at identifying and following. And if I look back on both careers that's been the pattern for me. And so I don't do the five-year plan thing. I, I also think in, with this tech, like even two years ago, I couldn't have imagined this job now. And I'm 
I'm actually pretty happy just seeing where it takes me. I'm yeah, I think I really do not have a vision of five years from now at all. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I suppose why I ask, you've been four years in this game, right? Four years working for partner. Um, six years is the max anybody really wants to do in this space if they have progression in mind, as in I'm talking about working partner side. I say that after working 20 years for partners. Um, <laughs> um, broken your own rule. <laughs> yeah, but, but what I'm saying is that, you know, I've not seen much growth from individuals uh, beyond going into totally different roles after that period of time. So that one of the natural progressions is, of course, to go blue badge. Um, how appealing is that to you? I I don't know. I feel, I feel kind of um, conflicted about that because, I, I, and again, I think I just, I love what I do now so much and have so much left to grow with what I'm doing right now that I just want to make the most of this. You know, there's a, um, there's a, there's a, an opportunity with the job I do, I guess, with the tech coming through and, and especially with the MVP award, like I, that's still very new to me. And I feel like I've got, I'm not finished yet. Right. <laughs> I, I don't, I, that's something that is an extremely privileged, um, opportunity to have the job I have right now. I have a lot of growth left in it from my point of view. And so I'm not done. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not done with that. And so I'm not trying to, and I think just because of the nature of my career being so um, unpredictable and, and, you know, it did not take me at all where I planned that I'm along for the ride. And all I know right now for sure is that I'm not done with, with what's right right on my plate right now. And I want to make the most of that. And then that will take me to something else that's awesome. And I don't know what that will be yet. <laughs> so cool. Variety, variety. Uh, the variety is a real motivator. Yeah. And I think also because I did, you know, a 20 year career with a career path, you know, I actually, as much as it wasn't my plan, I worked my way up in a hierarchical structured business to a senior management job. And I was very, I had a team, I was a manager, I had a very, you know, structured career path in that sense. Starting again, you know, later in life, it's, it's a bit like, well, once you make that leap and you throw away that, you know, you throw away the kind of, I worked for a long time and built up to a senior management job. And once you're prepared to step away from that, I think my approach to this career then is completely wide open and different because been there, done that. So now, now I'm kind of in it for the ride and the fun of it <laughs> a little bit more. Whereas before I took a very serious management path and, and this has been a way to be someone different like to explore a different skill set and 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 see what else I can do and I'm not approaching this at all the way I would have when I was 30 you know it's 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 a much more sort of open let's and especially because the technology is just growing so fast and the opportunities that come with that change so much I, I really have taken a conscious choice to just just go with it, spot the opportunities, put my hand up, run with it, um, be open to things and just just along for the ride, really. You know, it's a it's and as I said, I think that would be different if this was my first career or if I was 30. But I kind of I've done that once and now this is a chance to not do that. <laughs> That's quite exciting. I love it. I love it. All right, let's wrap up with some quick fire questions. Are oh, you I'm ready? scared of the quick fire questions. <laughs> let's go. Okay. What's the worst Australian swear word you know? I just made that up. No, don't, don't, <laughs> answer, 
Don't answer that because I know it starts with C. And, no, no. Do uh, you know what? No, but I'm going to throw you something here. I'm going to go. There's an Australian expression that <laughs> that goes stone the bloody crows. <laughs> Do you know that Stop. one? Stone I've, the I've, bloody crows. It's not I've, a swear I've word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's a, it's not. And now I have to say, this is not how I talk in my normal Melbourne suburban IT life. But it's an expression that I just find that I that I love, and it is an expression of just like, wow, can you believe that? <laughs> but it's a particularly Australian expression. So there you go. I'll throw you. I'll throw you one. I've done my best. I've done my best real Aussie accent for you there too. <laughs> I love it. I love it. My my best uh, Australian word, of course you know, is a makeup of see you next Tuesday. Um, but <laughs> if we're talking about... I'm not sure ex- that's particularly Australian, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very Australian. That is, man, before I went to Australia, I'd never virtually heard the word. In, in Australia, it was like 10 times a day. So, do you know, it's funny, there are words here that don't, that I'm not even aware are Australian. On, on the podcast with Megan last week, I used the word daggy, and she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, what that's... does that mean? Yeah, sheep, sheep stags, right? Yeah, that's where right, it comes from. Yeah. yeah, except that it doesn't really, I mean, that's where it comes from, but it actually mm, means, mm, you know, mm. unfashionable, uncool, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah, but totally, totally. I, I sometimes with my language forget what is unique to my Australian vernacular that other people don't understand. So there you go, stone the bloody crows. There's an answer for you. <laughs> my my, my favourite Australian expression is we're not here to fuck spiders. <laughs> I've never heard that. You're kidding me. <laughs> I've never heard that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It is like, oh, yeah, it's 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 brilliant. In other words, like let's get on with it. I love. I know what it means, but it's you know Australia is a Australia is a wide country, and that expression hasn't come to my part of it. <laughs> now now let's get on to the real questions. Yeah, so thank you are. for teaching me an Australian expression. <laughs> <laughs> What's the first concert you ever went to? Um, I went to see a guy called Ian Moss, who was one of the singers in a band called Cold Chisel. So Cold Chisel was a little bit before my time, but um, Ian Moss in the 80s was uh, a solo artist that came out of that. I went to a place called Festival Hall here in Melbourne, which was a super grungy venue that my parents were not terribly happy about me going to, and it was amazing. <laughs> I saw the the lead singer of Cold Chisel in uh, Jimmy Auckland. Barnes. Yeah, yep. Jimmy Barnes about, oh, it was January this year. Yeah. Mm. He's still going. <laughs> yeah. If you could meet any historical figure, who would that be and why? Oh, I'm going to say Shakespeare. You know, I have this long history of uh, books and literature and um, one of the earliest one of the earliest sort of things that, that inspired me when I was at school was a, a teacher who would read would read Shakespeare and some of the studies around the way that theatre was done and so on. And so the, just the amount of language that came out of his work and stuff, I think I would be quite fascinated to be, yeah, to, to, to meet him, yeah. Would you rather save money or save time? Oh, time for sure. You can't, there's, an, there's not a limited supply of, you know, you can always earn more money, you can't make more time. Yeah. What are some of your personal rules that you'll never break? Um, personal rules that I'll never break. That's a tough one. No, that's fine. It's 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 spoken volumes. <laughs> <laughs> I think, did I answer by not answering? <laughs> Let's just gonna, leave it I'm, at that. I'm just going to leave that. Actually, I'm quite happy with that answer. <laughs> Like I did, I did I not just say I was along for the ride and open to anything? <laughs> Who in your life inspires you to be better? Um, I think at the moment my my kids, right? So I've got two kids who are in primary school, and my eleven year old daughter sometimes says things to me that are that is wisdom 
beyond her years that makes me you know even she said something to me the other day where I was I was talking about something and she just looks at me and says mum you do you and I'm like yeah thank you for that and it's just there's something about the simplicity of how a child views the world and when they give you their wisdom and advice on it that I actually find I find inspiring so yeah, yeah. I like it. Last question. What's your favorite what's your favorite quote? There's a there's a quote from I think it's Amelia Earhart and I'm t- going to try and get this right that's like um something about tenacity. I'm not going to be able to remember it, but it's like the you know the first the first thing is um that uh, damn it. <laughs> I'm going to have to find the I'm going to have to find the quote but it's like you know it's about taking a leap and and the rest is just effort it's like that first taking that first leap and I wish I could actually remember the quote I'm I've, I think I've actually got it sitting here as a as a picture somewhere here we go I've got it I found You've it You've got it awesome I've got it the most difficult thing is the decision to act the rest is merely tenacity Nice and I love was, it and it's, so that's Amelia Earhart I did actually get the right quote she's and and for me this was something you know especially around that whole career change just that that decision to act so that that really speaks to me as as something that's you know informed a lot of informed a lot of of what I did and that that belief in just tenacity and and hard work once you've once you've once you've done something is uh very much informs kind of who I am and how I got here yeah I love it I love it listen before you go tell us about uh where people can connect with you online where the actual the name of your podcast and um yeah all those great things yeah so certainly linkedin um i'm fairly easy to find on linkedin if you if you look for me so my surname has a slightly unusual spelling which makes me easy to find but um crosby with a b i e at the end you'll find me on linkedin i'm always happy for people to connect with me on linkedin but especially if they drop me a note saying hey i heard you on this podcast or whatever if something i've said resonates with you and you'd like to connect with me there, I'm very happy to, you know, to do that. I am on Twitter um, at Lisa M. Crosby because the Lisa Crosby handle is a Christian singer in Queensland, so I couldn't grab that one. <laughs> um, where else? The Up Podcast. It's the podcast that I do with Megan Walker. So we have a, a website there, theuppodcast.com. Um, you'll find us on all your favourite podcasting apps and things there as well. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much the best way to best way to find me. Hey, thanks for listening. As you can see, she didn't swear I swore <laughs> like normal. Anyhow, um, yeah, hopefully you learned something from this uh, episode of the MVP show. Remember, if you want to advance your career in the business application space, check out the 90-day mentoring challenge. You can find it at nz365guy.com. Go there, click on mentoring, and fill in your details if you want to be part of the next intake. Um, uh, coming up uh, in the near future. Full show notes for this episode can be found at nz365guy.com forward slash 243. Ciao for now.